This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Matthew. And I'm Molly. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. Today's episode, I'm really excited about. It is Bistro Night. Yes, you you requested this episode because I wouldn't stop talking about Bistro Night. That's right. So, um, a teenager of the show December, recently graduated from high school, yep. and you mentioned that you guys were celebrating uh, with Bistro Night. Yeah. And I had heard you mention it before, but there was just something about it this time. I was like, oh, Bistro Night. This is an actual like thing that oh, you yeah. guys you guys like plan and you call it bistro night we don't have any like named nights at our house you should get some named nights like what, what are some of the best named nights like there's uh, movie night there's movie night there's pizza there's, night uh there's taco night there's um uh, uh, uh gaudy night there's uh oh right now we're having under the banner of heaven night okay yeah yep. that sounds we've been, we've been watching that mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh let's see what other nights have we had um Guy There's... Fox night, is that a thing? Yeah. Yeah, in Scotland. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure some listeners are gonna have some opinions on that. Is it in Scotland? I'm pretty <laughs> sure think... it's in Scotland. Uh, okay. Okay. Anyway, so uh we're talking tonight about Bistro we're talking today about Bistro no, Night. No, it just it just became night. And Matthew is going to lead this one off because Bistro Night is a tradition in his family and soon to be in the rest of ours. A tradition going back generations as far <laughs> as 2020. Okay. So uh, here's what Bistro Night is. In uh, in 2020, uh, Teenager of the Show December was and still is very much into Les Mis and some other French stuff like uh, Phantom of the Opera, I guess is sort of French, mm-hmm. but has almost never in their life been to a uh, French restaurant. I think they went to Cafe Campania once and maybe Cafe Press once. You guys um, haven't gone to like, well, I guess this is pandemic you're you're talking about, but I was going to say, what about Le Pichet? They've never been to Le Pichet. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I have. Uh, but, you know, it was it was 2020 and we weren't going to sure. go to a French restaurant. So uh, wife of the show, Lori Watzel, came up with the idea of Bistro Night and uh, it first happened in December of 2020. OK. Was that for December's birthday? Yes. OK. So uh, their 17th birthday. OK. So the the rules of Bistro Night are. Wait, uh, wait, wait. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. I just have to interrupt. Yeah, please. <laughs> uh, 
my 17th birthday, I don't really remember what happened, but I remember it was the first birthday where I felt disappointed by birthdays. Do you remember oh. when you crossed that threshold? Uh not really, because I think I kind of went straight from, like, I want everybody to recognize my birthday and give me everything I want to, like, I don't care about my birthday anymore. Like, I okay. became a curmudgeon pretty young. Okay. Yeah, no, I think that 17 was the first birthday where it stopped feeling like big, exciting, good things happened on my birthday. Like, it wasn't that bad things happened. It was just, I think all of a sudden I realized, oh, these birthdays are going to keep happening and it's not always going to be like driver's licenses and and, oh, sure. and balloons. Yeah. I mean, I got my driver's license last week. Is that, is that how the song starts? <laughs> Okay, let's go on. <laughs> um, okay, so here are the rules of Bistro Night. You have to write up a fancy menu, and it should be in French and printed on cardstock if possible. Here's, this is I couldn't find the actual like file for the menu from uh, 2020, but uh, Lori had a uh, picture of it, and so okay. I printed the photo. Okay. And I will. Uh, the French does not have to be like correct. You so can, you don't you can have Google to translate. Okay, you don't have to spend time like uh, fact checking. You don't have to spend time learning French if you've never studied French. <laughs> like to, you can have Bistro Night without signing up for a couple of years of college French. Okay. But if you want to, you should. Okay. Um, it, like, I loved studying French. I'll include in the show notes, like in your podcast player, a link to a PDF example, but we'll also like walk through a couple of them on this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one, we called we called it Bistro, Bistro Cerbère, which is uh, possibly French for Cerberus. Oh, so you guys didn't even look up what's French for Cerberus. I think I probably did. Okay. Um, and uh, so then this year for, uh, for high school graduation, we did Bistro Night last week, and that was... Uh, Bistro Gavroche, which is a minor character in Les Mis. Okay, excellent. And so when you guys came up with this, were there particular dishes that December requested? Interestingly, no. Okay. They, they were just kind of like generally into French stuff. and But like I do the cooking around here and like they weren't going out to restaurants. So so like they haven't really had much French food at all. OK. Um, and so. So like, you got to mold them. I got to mold. Them. This is my this is like my last chance to mold <laughs> my child into a fancy person. Oh, yeah. You've given it your all. No, so Lori and I talked about like what things do we like that we know that they would like. And uh, so uh, we knew there was going to be duck confit. OK. Which, like, I bought, bought, like, the frozen Maple Leaf Farms duck confit. They have it at Wajamaya or uh, Metropolitan Market. Okay. There we there is this um, recipe from Fine Cooking, which we'll also link to for a uh, potato galette. I think it's a Susie Middleton recipe. And it is made with, like, thin sliced, uh, like, Yukon Gold or, you know, some kind of smaller potato. Mm-hmm. Layered with uh, Gruyere cheese and uh, Parmesan and uh, uh, like a shallot, shallot oil. Do you remember when we were growing up and and potatoes au gratin? I thought potatoes au gratin was the funniest name when I was a kid because I thought it sounded like potatoes all rotten. It does. Yeah. (laughs) But so when we were kids, I feel like fancy food was potatoes au gratin. Absolutely. Did you, how would you say that that this galette is different? Is potatoes au gratin does is that sliced like a, potatoes or it is, is it sliced okay. potatoes? Then I mean, it's I like think, a creamy kind of sometimes slightly curdled yeah, vibe I know exactly going on between mean. the potatoes. So this is not creamy. It's like you know made with hard cheeses and olive oil. Okay. Uh, so uh, 
like a little, maybe a little elevated from American style potatoes all gratin. So you say galette, but it doesn't have a crust, I'm guessing. It doesn't have a crust. It's really, you, you make it in a tart pan, but it's literally just a bunch of layers of thinly sliced potatoes with uh, shallot oil uh, and and lots of cheese. And so, Really good. And so do you serve this? So, okay, when you say duck confit, do you serve like, uh, is this served like, you know, a duck leg here, a wedge of this this uh-huh. potato galette and Some like a green salad. salad. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yep. So the first, let's let's go through the first bistro night menu. Yes, I have the please. historical document okay, right can, here. Will you hold it so I can see it? Too. When you were a kid, did the Magna Carta ever come through Oklahoma City? I think I feel like I'm it sorry. Skipped. Do you mean the document? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, like, like the bodies exhibition came through. Yeah. Like, like that. No, I don't think the Magna Carta uh, ever came through. Watson and I recently had this conversation that we both vividly remember that we were, when we were in like third grade or something, the Magna Carta or like some, you know, fancy ass Magna Carta replica. Like, it's hard to believe it was the actual document from 1215, but like, you know, some, some Magna Carta in like a glass case in like low lighting. And we all went to see it and like marvel at like the birth of democracy or something. Thing. Uh-huh. I don't even remember like what the Magna Carta was. The birth of democracy. The Magna Carta, did that have to do with um God, why am I thinking of like uh the the beginning of the the Anglican Church? Um no. I think it's different cuz I think it had something to do with like renouncing the divine right of kings and oh, like saying like okay, people, so really people the birth of other than the king might have some rights. Okay. So I mean not all people obviously, but some people. <laughs> Great. Okay. Okay. So uh, this is uh, Bistro Cerber from. Uh, oh no! I just realized you should read this because it's all in French and my oh, French pronunciation is bad. Okay. So this was Le 30 Décembre. Uh, this was the 30th of December. As this 2020. Uh, yeah. And so you've got you've got it centered, and there are uh, you know there's a title for each uh, each each course. Yeah. We have les entrées, le plat du jour, les desserts et le boisson. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, the entrée, which in French is not uh, the main course like right. it is in English, it's the first course, is riette de canard or riette de canard. So uh, duck. Riette, yeah. Uh, baguette à l'ancienne. Oh, like like a, a rustic, old-fashioned baguette. Meaning, yeah, I bought like a Grand Central Bakery baguette. Nice, okay. Then le plat du jour was confit de canard, so duck confit. Galette aux pommes de terre, so potato galette. Salade de roquette, so that's an arugula salad. Yeah, right? which, which at the time, and maybe still, uh, was uh, uh, December's favorite salad green. Okay. Meaning, like, probably at the time, like, the only salad green It seems like you've done a really good job raising a fancy person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, and then uh, le dessert was tarte au chocolat avec sa crème chantilly. <laughs> Matthew, a chocolate tart with whipped cream. Yeah, of course, uh, Wife of the Show, Laurie, made, made that. It's from the book Art of the Tart by Tamison Day-Lewis, and it's okay. Simon Hopkinson's Chocolate Tart, a <gasps> fantastic recipe. Really? Yeah. Oh, I don't have Art of the Tart. Oh, yeah. This is a, like I don't know if we've made okay. anything else from that book, but this is such a great recipe. Oh, this sounds great. Okay. And then Le Boisson, uh, it has a title. The, the special drink for the occasion is La Folie de Demeter. Yeah. Is, uh, Demeter's Folly. 
It's sparkling pomegranate juice. Get, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I love how you wove in the Greek mythology yeah. with the, the... Yeah, because they're all... Well, and you've all, got Cerberus, right, right, too. Right, because they're yeah. also really into Greek mythology. Oh, my God. This is fantastic. Um, uh, June would love this. Although, I don't know that I'm ever going to... I have never gotten excited about ordering duck confit. Like my dad would order duck confit. I, I think love of it, it as dad food. Yeah. Um, I think I would love it if you served it to me, but I don't think I would ever go out of my way to purchase it. And like, I wouldn't think to put it on a menu. Right. But the thing about bistro night is like the food can be kind of whatever you want as long as you sure. can like plausibly say that it's fancy or like French related in what, some way. So, what were other, did you consider any other like main meats? Yeah. Of, it's other kind of hard to remember. Confit. Like, I mean, I love like a like a beef bourguignon, uh-huh. um, and uh-huh. I I don't make it very often because it's a big production. Yeah. but I'll probably do that for bistro night sometime. It um, seems bistroy. You know, it occurs to me. I, I was trying to figure out when we were thinking about bistro night. Uh, I was trying to figure out whether or not to mention this because I feel like this is not a dish that. So veal veal shows uh-huh. up a lot in oh, bistros, yeah. and I don't know what to make of this because. Veal generally is not raised in in ethical ways. So one of my most memorable well, we will we haven't even done memory lane yet. Okay. Um. So so let's wait, let's do memory wait, lane. Okay. Okay. Fine. Okay. Let's do memory lane. All right. I'm gonna start though. Yeah. Okay. So my dad, I now realize in retrospect, loved French bistro food just sure. in general, and you know, growing up in Oklahoma. I think I was very aware of this, not because there was a lot of it available on like oh, menus. There wasn't, there wasn't like a big bistro boom. But because when he would encounter something, he would get so excited about it. You he, know, he would like, devour it with gusto. With gusto, yeah. yes. So there was, when I was growing up, there was a restaurant called La Baguette, which is still, still very there good. in Oklahoma. And I have to say, we didn't go there very often, but I think of it as like the French restaurant in Oklahoma City, and I think it is still wildly popular. But I think the first thing that ever occurred to me as a kid as as being kind of bistro food was like mussels. Yes, absolutely. So mussels cooked maybe in like white wine and shallots. Um, We talked about that on last week's Cooking with Wine episode. We did, we did. Uh, I remember, I think like the few times that I've gone to to La Baguette, I've had like mussels and french fries or something. What what would the American equivalent of a restaurant called La Baguette be? Like if there was an American restaurant. The Pullman Loaf (laughs) or something? (laughs) Yeah. um, The the Wonder Bread. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Which um, I, I, yeah, they did a reboot of that show, The Wonder Bread. Um, <laughs> oh, with Fred really, Savage, yeah. yeah. Um, my dad also loved Riette, and can we describe in case anyone doesn't know, like what Riette are? Yeah, so it's is it pork shoulder? Yeah, or like the, a, the, the one we did for our first Beastro night. Like it's not something we made; it's something something you buy. Sure. I mean, you certainly could make it, but uh, we did duck riette the first time and pork riette the second and third times. It's generally uh, like like a, a meat that is cooked in its own fat so that it falls apart. Yep, and it's usually seasoned with like spices. Yes, like this the one we we had some today, like Olympia Provisions it's like pork warm riette, spices. warm spices, like definitely some cloves in there. Yes, and it's spreadable. You yeah. would. Uh, it's like a pate, but it's much softer. Mm-hmm. Usually would come in like a little pot or something with a little knife. Yes. Uh, and it's delicious. It almost looks like tuna salad sometimes. It totally does. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. But hold on. I want to do one more memory. Oh, yeah, line. yeah. So when I was, when I was living and teaching in Paris, 
there were so many places where you could like go get a like a 25 euro menu. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, was not an insignificant amount of money. Like it would have been, you know, 32 bucks or something, which yeah. would have felt like a lot for a meal. However, it felt very much doable at that time in my life when I was only paying for myself and cooking mostly at home. And I remember one place that I read so like about. what year would this have been? This would have been 2001. Okay. This is around the same time I have my actual Paris Bistro memories. Okay. Um, I remember reading about Bistro Paul Bert, which is spelled Bistro Paul Bert. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what arrondissement's in. I've now been there many times. It is absolutely so fantastic. And what I remember having there, and and again, like I don't know what how to think about this ethically. What I remember really loving there was like a veal chop mm-hmm. that was uh, like pan cooked and served with a morel cream sauce. Oh yes, and like oh my god, absolutely so delicious. What other things do I remember having there? Leeks vinaigrette. Oh, yes, of course. Um, like a, a salade au chèvre chaud. So like a salad with um, like a little, like almost like a melba made from a baguette. Yes. With like half of a, a goat cheese croton, like an aged small little goat cheese on top of it. And it would have been like put under the broiler, put in an oven so that the goat cheese would be warm and like slightly melty. And there might be like two little like croûte like this on top of your salad. A little croûte. And you would cut it up and eat it with your salad with this like yes. vinegary sa- vinegary lettuce. So uh, so yeah, that. And then of course there was always um, or if you were really lucky, there was going to be a cheese course. Yes. So uh, there was another bistro I remember going to called Astier. A-S-T-I-E-R. It also had, I think, a 25-euro menu that included, like, a fucking cheese chariot. And yeah. it was, I mean, this place was famous for the abundance of cheeses that it offered. And you could usually either have cheese or dessert, but I think you could pay, like, seven euro extra and have both or something. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. Okay, go on. Okay, so um, we we went to Paris. Though I've only been to France once. Uh, it was in two thousand, like the end of two thousand, and we we kind of went bistro crazy. Like we I, I we went to like the same kind of places. Like yeah, it was always a twenty five or thirty euro menu. Like the choices were pretty minimal. Like mm-hmm. I think uh, maybe like there maybe. would be like two options for each each course. Yep, yep. And um, one of them is like pretty much always duck confit. Yeah, and uh, things. So I remember we went to Le Pie du Pain, which I don't think exists anymore. We went to La Regalade, which I think yeah, does still, still exist. Exists. Um, but maybe like not the same chef as back then. And so some things, we went to, we went to uh, La Cave de Los Samuel. Oh like, yeah, that's yeah. a famous one. Um, so uh, some of the things I remember eating, I remember there was always there was always like some kind of good soup, like a like a squash soup yep. or uh, or uh, that would have been offered as your entree. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like you know salads. I remember I, the thing I had at La Regalade, which I uh, was like, I'm going to order something I would never order otherwise, and I ordered the veal kidneys, and they were okay. Um, um uh, yes, there is. It, it is. I would say very typical for one of the main dishes to be like an to be awful. Yeah, that's a- probably O-F not or yeah. awful. O f f a l. Probably not going to feature on my bistro night at home, but I'm glad I ordered it. Um, I had at one place a um, uh, gingerbread crusted foie gras. No. Yes. No. Yes. But that does seem like uh, like uh, like a. F- 
fancy bistro yes. vibe. But yeah, but like the place wasn't fancy. No. Like, but yeah. No. And I think that the line, at least for me, I'm sure that someone who who is more knowledgeable in French cuisine than I am, but the line between like just sort of an ordinary French restaurant where you could go in and, you know, get kind of just like a <laughs> Uh, like a green lettuce salad and like a duck confit and some fries. Like the line between kind of a place you could just go grab that and and wolf it down and head back to work or whatever. The line between that and like a quote unquote nice bistro where you could get mm-hmm. you know your veal with morels was very thin yeah, to me. Absolutely. Like they're a very fine line. Like there's there's a lot of fluidity there. Like bistro food is i i think pretty ordinary food in france that is sometimes served in more like elevated settings and of course there's always like inexpensive wine that you're that you're probably going to drink with this like we we almost never drink wine at home and like but i feel like maybe next time we do bistro night i want to make an exception because it sounds good yes oh yeah wine would be so delicious with this food Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Let's backtrack for a second and talk about, like, what a bistro is. Yeah. All right. So, uh, according to Wikipedia, a bistro is, in its original Parisian incarnation, a small restaurant serving moderately priced simple meals in a modest setting. Bistros are defined mostly by the foods they serve. French homestyle cooking and slow-cooked foods like cassoulet, a bean stew, are typical. So, I think of bistros as a Parisian thing. And then, have you heard the the phrase bouchon? Like, for a, a yeah. restaurant in, in Lyon... So in Lyon, there are a lot of restaurants where you can go and have like a very similar kind of meal, like home cooking, modest setting, super modest setting. Yeah. If anything, like a kind of abundance of food, like yep. you, you get a lot of food for your money. But in Lyon, what these restaurants are known for is more like grandmother cooking. So oh, a lot nice. of kind of really economical cuts of meat. So a lot of offal. Um, but the same kind of, um, you know, you're going to you're going to get a starter that is maybe some kind of like uh, grated vegetable in vinaigrette or a couple different grated vegetables in vinaigrette. <laughs> Why are they grating all these vegetables? No, no, there's always like a, a carotte râpée, yeah. like grated carrots. There's always like cubed beets sometimes yeah. in vinaigrette. Uh, there's sometimes uh, mayonnaise, like uh, yeah. hard boiled egg not, with not mayonnaise. Not a thing I would eat, but I... But I recognize it as a bistro classic. Yes. Yeah. Um, anyway. Okay. So so bistros are typically Parisian. Yeah. That that's, right? that's what it sounds like. Although, okay. I mean, it seems like, yeah, there must be like similar restaurants under under other names in other parts of France. Mm-hmm. Uh, the etymology, according to Wikipedia, again, is unclear and is presumed to come from a regional word. Bistro, bistro with a T, bistingo, bistro, bistui, or bistri. Wow. They the, really make you work for it there at the end. The first recorded use of the word appears in 1884. And like one one thing that I feel like really defines a bistro is that there will usually be like the menu will usually be written out on a blackboard outside, maybe mm-hmm. like a like a you know a frame like sandwich board. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And probably the 
leading English language authority on bistros, a person that I haven't thought about in a while, even though uh, someone I knew back in the eGullet era because he posted on eGullet, is a great food writer, is uh, John Whiting, who lives in England, but I think is American mm-hmm. originally, mm-hmm. and is I, I think is still with us. I couldn't find any evidence otherwise, but it must be well into his 80s by now. Mm-hmm. Um, and his website, Whiting's Writings, which... Uh, looks like a website from the year 2000 has like wonderfully written reviews of dozens of Paris bistros because they are his favorite thing and we'll we'll link to that in the show notes also I mean I imagine are these reviews still current uh, no Okay. But still, at the same time, it could be really fun to read them and get ideas for cooking. Yeah. If you want unlimited ideas for like what to make for Bistro Night, you should just like go to John Whiting's website. And I want to specify that there are a bunch of people named John Whiting and he's not the founder of Bulletproof Coffee. And he's also not an English actor who died in 1963. I'm glad for that clarification. So, Matthew, when I think of bistro cooking... Well, for one thing, I just don't tend to think of home cooking as bistro cooking, even though like bistro food is defined as French home style cooking, right? right? And the things that you that were here on the bistro Cerber menu are are quite easy to make. Oh, yeah. This was not a difficult menu to put together. Like this, uh, we've made this this uh, this potato galette a bunch of times over the years. And it's, it is easiest if you have a mandolin, although we have like, you know, the cheap plastic Japanese Ben, ben Renner ben, ben mandolin, mm-hmm. which, you know, we've had for years and years and is a great piece of equipment. So the whole thing comes together in like 15, 20 minutes. It's very mm-hmm. easy to assemble uh, and then bakes for 45 minutes and then you eat it. Amazing. And let's see. Yeah. What else so, is on this menu? The, the duck confit, like, you know, you just bake it. It's already it's already fully cooked and seasoned. Uh, the riette, someone else made them. The baguette, someone else made it. Throw together a little salad. You know, the chocolate tart is pretty straightforward. Yeah. So when I think of this food, like if I were thinking of what to make at home for bistro night, I think I would look at, do you have Patricia Wells bistro cooking? That's, I was going to ask you, like, what do you recommend for like bistro cookbooks? Because no, I don't, but I should. Well, Patricia Wells bistro cooking. I knew Patricia Wells' name was going to come up on this episode. It's got to. It's got to. (laughs) Patricia Wells' book, Bistro Cooking, is, I mean, you know, an old classic. I think of it as being in the like stylist in terms of like the the actual look of the book it reminds me a lot of the the silver palette cookbooks oh sure in that it has kind of some goofy illustrations <laughs> yeah uh, the cover has like a like a checkerboard tablecloth <laughs> kind of vibe and like a waiter with like you know I, I have to, like, pull, this uh, pull it up i'm doing now. a terrible job of describing it no no anyway, no i think you're doing a great job but now i want to see it for myself it doesn't have any photographs uh so it's you know text heavy anyway it's a classic really good reference book it has actually i would say the thing that that has really had legs from that particular cookbook is a, the duck legs is a lentil salad um, she's got that a really good. basic lentil salad in there. Oh my God. I know. Look at the cover of this book. It, you, you described it perfectly, and yet it's so much more than than what you said. Yes. It is so – when did the, it come this out? Waiter, is this like 1990? That sounds right. Um, if, if you imagine a cartoon of a French waiter, this is that times a thousand. Book details. 1989. Okay. Yep. The other book that I'm thinking of, I mean, of course, we have like more contemporary uh, English language 
writers on French food. David Leibovitz, of course, Dory Greenspan, they come to mind immediately. Yeah. So like one Um, thing I'm kind of wondering is like when we when I was in Paris in in 2000, which was already now a long time ago, like I felt like some of the places we went really like stuck to like the classics and mm -hmm. some, you know, got a little bit creative. And so I have no sense of like what bistro cooking of 2022 is. Sure. I mean, and I think or whether I should care. I think that, you know, around the time that you and I were both there eating in bistros, I I think there was a real wave of like the nouveau bistro, you know, where you would go get your like gingerbread crusted foie gras. (laughs) You know what I mean? I did love that. Um, Anyway, uh, another book that I think of is uh, not strictly a bistro book, but I've mentioned it before on the underappreciated cookbooks episode. Yep. I was hoping you would mention this again. And it's Michael Roberts' Parisian Home Cooking. Yes. And it is just a fantastic book and does have have like all kinds of you know there's like there's a morel sauce in there you know you could i mean actually now that i'm thinking about it it would not be difficult it would be very enjoyable to have like a braised chicken with a morel sauce oh yeah like you don't need the veal right no and i was thinking like i'm glad i'm glad we're getting into this because like our bistro nights have really been very meat heavy and Mm -hmm. i would i would love to like find a like less meat focused bistro menu but i think that's i think that's emblematic of bistro food you know yeah those are the two cookbooks that come to mind for me. Yeah. Okay. That sounds great. There's a book called Bistro Cooking at Home by Gordon Hammersley, I think. Oh, my that, God. Gordon Hammersley. I hadn't remember? thought of that name right, in a yeah, long it's, time. It's also – it's from like like the early 2000s, okay. I think. Okay. So not uh, – no, so maybe like 10 years after the Pat- Patricia Wells book. So like has more of like a uh, 2000s publisher style, uh, mm-hmm. like you know, a color photo of a stew or something on the cover. You know, I think it's a good book. Another book actually that could be interesting to look at is um, one of the Thomas Keller books, like Bouchon. Yeah or something like that because isn't Bouchon like his bistro yeah and I mean I mean, I think the food is like very fancied up okay um, and like you know not not even fancied up but like you know that the recipes are going to be very chefy and like every every element made from scratch but yeah. I think as like a source of inspiration I think that book would be great okay you know uh, uh, I don't know now I'm veering off of, of bistro but I was going to say just to mention uh, like a contemporary female and, and queer food writer yeah. who's writing about French food uh, I would love to mention Rebecca Pepler. Okay. So she got her start writing mostly about drinks. She wrote a book called Aperitif. Okay. Um, but her first cookbook with, you know, with a with more of a food focus was called A Table. Her books are fantastic, very much uh, like Parisian home cooking right now. So not fancy. I would say they are like inflected by like um, like a West Coast American sensibility, okay. but, yeah. but very definitely French in spirit. And her recipes are really good. They work really, really okay. well. Yeah, no, okay. I'm excited to like, you know, have some more beast or inspiration. Like I, I would say like for me, and I'm gonna I'm gonna use this word like very intentionally, like Part of what I enjoy about Bistro Night is that I cook, you know, Japanese, Chinese, or Korean food most nights. Mm-hmm. And for me, Bistro Night is exotic. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love I love that this is how it is for you. Um, well, yeah. and it feels that, that way to me, too, because I think that especially having, like, spent my my formative years of, like, uh, like my late teens and, and my young adulthood on the West Coast – 
I think that I have definitely been influenced by French cooking and Italian cooking and stuff, but there's a certain like California vibe, I think, that runs through my cooking mixed with things that I've learned in particular about Japanese cooking and some Sichuan cooking yeah. from you. So yeah, no, this feels very exotic to me too. Yeah, okay. So let's talk about the uh, the Bistro Night menu that that uh, we served last week because it had a surprise hit that is now like one of December's favorite things. And okay. they said they're going to like make it their pick of the week. Okay. Okay, so uh, a lot of it, uh, so first this was Bistro Gavroche and this was uh, June 14th. Um, and uh, we did the uh, the pork riette from Olympia Provisions, which are very good. And for the for the entree, we did uh, frisé au lardon, which okay. is uh, a frisé lettuce salad with uh, um, like bacon lardon and uh, poached eggs. Okay, uh, and a very tart vinaigrette. Okay. And I don't think December had ever had Frise before. I had to like go downtown to Socios oh, at really? Pike Place Market to find Frise. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh my god, yeah, that's really surprising. They didn't to have me. it at Broadway QFC. They certainly didn't have it at Safeway. Yeah. Um, but uh, yes, and I, uh, I think I spent ten dollars on lettuce. Oh. Um, and uh, I was nervous about it because I don't think I've poached an egg since we did our poached egg episode, which was years ago, right? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. It came out so good. Uh, did you do the thing where you strain out the thinner parts yep. in the tiny like tea I did. strainer? Okay. Which okay. really helped. And then just like, you know, get the water the right temperature. Like, don't, don't like mess with it. Just yeah, like, hope. just lower the egg in. Yeah. Is that what you did? Yeah, I poached three eggs at once. They came out perfectly cooked. Oh my um, God. And uh, yeah, this was, this was really the highlight of the meal. Like, okay. got some, some boar's head thick sliced bacon to make the lardon. Ah, so good. And yeah, so December's like, next time, can you make the same thing but with pancetta? And I'm like, yes, Ooh, I can. Wow. Does that okay. sound good? I love the thought of that. We did the potato galette, of course. Uh, we had some Martinelli's hard cider. No, Martinelli's sparkling cider. Uh, and uh, then for dessert, uh, Lori made uh, peau de cr- chocolate pot de creme, okay. which, which was like like that was when I was a kid. Yes. I thought it was like the fanciest possible dessert. God, I fucking love these things. They're so good. They're so good. I know. It's like very surprising. Isn't yeah. It? So this one I do notice is less meat heavy, right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, this one ha- starts with riette, but then the main course is really like a salad that just uses meat as a, a seasoning. Yeah, that's true. Right? Okay. So you were looking for ways to do a less yeah. meaty bistro. But yeah, this was, this was such a good meal. Oh, God. This totally makes me want to go home and do this yeah it really like except for except for like buying some fancy lettuce which like certainly could have been substituted with less fancy lettuce like it wasn't it wasn't like super expensive no no i mean in fact because you know i imagine the the riette were a bit expensive but the truth is is potatoes i mean you probably bought a a lot of potatoes and that's not a lot of money it's not even that much it's like a pound and a half of yukon gold potatoes so it was like three dollars worth of potatoes or less Mm -hmm. um and uh i guess i guess put some fancy cheese in there i am i was gonna say i am surprised that there has been no cheese course in these these meals i think the reason is that uh like as far as uh as teenager of the show december has come since their uh their picky eating years as a young child like they cheese like unmelted cheese is still not something they like okay okay fair enough um Um, okay i'm gonna take pictures of these menus before i go home because my mouth is literally watering and i'm trying to figure out what part of these menus my family would be into yeah i Um, I, seems like they would enjoy the potato galette right i would think so Yeah. yeah i would i would for sure think so um 
I yeah, that is such a good recipe. I think June would love Riette. Yeah, you know it when it. Ash is almost a bit pickier than June. Mm-hmm. I gotta say. So uh, I mean, I've, I've like realized over the years that like there is there is a like fair amount of overlap in stuff that that wife of the show Lori and I both like. But like it's a it's a classic Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. Like there's a big section of stuff I like that she doesn't like, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. The other night. Oh my god! I can't remember where we had been. I can't remember. We well, came. I, where we, where have we been? We came, like, like figuratively speaking. We came home. It was oh, it was Saturday night. Uh, we had kind of been out and about a lot during the day. Uh, we had run some errands. We were eating dinner late. And anyway, <laughs> I, I, anyway, on the way home from running errands, we passed by a like a cannabis store. Mm-hmm. That we have often gone to, and a cannabistro, a cannabistro, and I was like, you know what? I want to go in and get these gummies that I've been wanting to try. Mm-hmm. And so I went. Is there in. like something new in the world of cannabis gummies? No, okay. no. It's my friend Sarah recommends um, Pioneer Squares. Okay, which is a, a like a local Seattle-based brand of gummies, and I had had a, you know part of one with her like a year ago. And it was good. And, it, and you could still feel the effects. <laughs> and I, could st- I had finally come down and I was ready to have another one. No, I wanted I wanted to get them. So I went in and before we even left the parking lot, Ash was driving. Before we even left the parking lot where we had parked, I went ahead and ate half the gummy. And so by the time we got home from running our various errands, I was I was feeling pretty nice, just like kind of mellowed out. And we were having kind of a mishmash dinner. And so let me tell you about the dinner I assembled myself, Please. which I am now realizing was very much a bistro dinner. Yes. Okay. okay. All right. So we had some baguette that was like two days old. Sure. But, you know, you did the thing where you get your hands a little wet and you rub the outside of the baguette with no. This is Oh wait, and then and then like pop and it in then the you oven pop for it in the okay. toaster. Yeah. I thought I thought you were gonna like just like moisten <laughs> the baguette. No, no, no. Then you pop it in the in the, the toaster <laughs> oven or the oven. Anyway, so I kind of reinvigorated this yep. baguette. I had two different types of cheese at home. I had double cream gouda, which you know I really like, and then um, <laughs> ba- ba- baguette mouillée. <laughs> oh, mm, delicious. <laughs> Okay, uh, then uh, I also had Mount Tam, which is mm-hmm. from, what is that? I can't remember what the company is in California that makes it. So I had two different cheeses. I put them on my special little cutting board. <laughs> of course. And uh, then I had a, while we were out running errands, I had picked up a little Olympia Provisions, tiny little salami. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they're, they're classic ti- TLS, <laughs> tiny little salami. <laughs> tiny little salami. So I cut myself some like thin slices of that, also on a tiny little cutting board. And then we had some CSA lettuces that like really needed to get used up. Sure. And I had my like super mustardy vinaigrette on the counter. So I made myself a little salad, which I ate straight out of the salad bowl. And that was my dinner uh, and a glass of wine. So I had my like Two different types of cheese. Yeah, this is bistro night. My like salami, my salad, my wine, and I was mildly high, and it was great. Yeah, it was I mean, so good. When it comes down to it, bistro night is a state of mind. Bistro night is a state of mind. It's like a little bit of affordable luxury, like Celeste for one. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Yes, Celeste for one. Matthew, literally, we did that episode like a decade ago. Are you serious? No, oh. but, but that was a really long time ago. It was ago. a really long time we ago. We should look it up. Was that what, like our- What like, was the episode? Like frozen pizza episode Probably, or something? Yeah. Uh, anyway, so so yeah, that was my, my impromptu bistro night. God, it was so good. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I sat great. there and like moaned through it. Yes. Like, uh, like a Celeste. No. Like, was like there a, moaning in a Celeste yeah, one commercial? I, I always you, conf- confuse. Yeah, uh, Calgon. The Calgon yeah, commercial and the Celeste for one. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. And Ash ate leftover burrito. So we were very much on brand for ourselves. Uh, leftover baristro. <laughs> okay. Matthew, do we have some segments today? We are as segmented as an orange today. Oh, wow. Okay. And we are as segmented as an insect. Okay. Let's start with spilled <gasps> mail. Oh, my God. I just read this, and I'm so excited. <laughs> okay. okay, Matthew, you read it. I'll read it. This is from listener Mariel, who writes, In the underappreciated cookbook episode, Matthew scoffed at Molly when she said some people have a five-burner stove. I do have a five-burner stove, yes. and it's above two ovens. Yes! All right, so Mia culpa. One is a regular-sized oven, and the other is tiny, about six inches wide oh on the inside. God. We never use the tiny one because none of our pans or dishes fit inside. What can I cook in the tiny oven? Breadsticks. What, but, oh, like a couple uh, of two breadsticks. Yeah, you, it sounds like you can't even fit like a quarter-sheet pan <laughs> no, in there. No, six inches is very small. Wow, that's wild. Uh, seems like, oh, you know what you need to do? You need to stock up on a lot of loaf pans. Right, that's what I was going to say. We have like loaf a long, pans. skinny loaf, like a tea loaf pan, I think well, it was but called. Even, even like a standard loaf pan yeah. is what, five by nine, roughly? Yeah, so you so, can make, uh, <laughs> I know, yeah, Molly would just like have a banana bread in there at all uh, times. At all times. No, but I was thinking, for instance, whenever we go out to uh, a restaurant that we really like where we get fried chicken, I kind of like to, I know cold fried chicken is a thing, but I like to warm up the fried chicken oh, the next too. day. And I always warm it up on on some sort of heat proof thing in a toaster oven. And I think you could do that in your little skinny it's like, oven. Why it's don't like you put a, it? a toaster oven, but but down lower. <laughs> yeah. Why don't, but why don't you get some loaf pans and you could rewarm stuff in loaf pans? Like you could totally chuck some cold fried chicken in a loaf pan. Yeah, and well, I mean, I think like up. the wings and the and the drumsticks would fit in there, but maybe the uh, the the breast would be like too wide. <laughs> uh, what else could you put in there? Um, oh, I'm sorry. I think I think of a uh, six millimeter wide. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, listen, listener, Mariel, I am so grateful to you for writing in to let me know that you have a five burner stove because I was so surprised by Matthew's scoffing. I, yeah, I, I really scoffed. Like, Yeah, I mean, I, I really felt that I was just speaking a fact. And and at least you and me know that it's a fact, even if nobody or, else does. Or you're, you're like just part of a vast conspiracy. Maybe. If you want to if you want to debunk something I said, uh, contact at spilledmilkpodcast.com. Yeah, or if you want to debunk something I said, you can <laughs> just like send it directly to the trash can. <laughs> okay. Uh, Matthew, it's your week for now, but wow. This is a new band that I'm very excited about that I, as of like this recording, their album, their first album isn't even out yet, but it will be out by the time you hear this. It was the self-titled debut album by King Stingray, uh, who are a band from Northern Australia. Um, I am loving their single, Let's Go. And what makes this band special is they are they are an indie rock band, like most of the bands I listen to, but they have a, uh, some of the band members are Aboriginal Australians and some are not. Their lead singer and lyricist is, 
is uh, is an Aboriginal person and uh, uses uses elements like some some uh, like Aboriginal language in uh, in uh, his songs and like you know issues that touch on like the Aboriginal experience in Australia, but like within a rock and roll framework that is very easy for me to get into. And uh, I've been Fantastic. really enjoying that a lot. Okay, so that's King Stingray. Yep. Uh, what's the debut album called? It's just called King Stingray. Okay, and the single is Let's Go. Yep. Okay, cool. Find it anywhere songs are played. Our producer is Abby Circatella. Please rate and review us anywhere podcasts are played. Mm-hmm. And you can chat with other Spilled Milk listeners on Reddit. That's at reddit.com slash r slash everything spilled milk. And until next time, let the... Bistro come out. Bistro mode. Something about bistro mode. <laughs> yeah, we're going into bistro. Beast mode. We're going beast mode. <laughs> I'm Matthew Amster Burton. Wow. I'm Molly Weisenberg. You're Molly Weisenberg Bistro. <laughs> All right. Okay. Oh, I thought I thought the dishwasher was going to be our our third third host today. Wait, is it not? Is it officially done? Are you sure it it's not going to come back? I don't know. You never know with these things. They can they can ambush you. You know, I, my dishwasher tends to be like Depeche Mode's "Enjoy the Silence," uh, where like you know it, f- it fades away for a while and then comes, and then it comes back. back. Yeah, 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 it could. Like, yeah. I, I won't let my guard down, and I don't think you, the listener, should either. But let's enjoy the silence. Let's enjoy the silence. Yeah, I started the dishwasher at like 8.30 thinking it's got to be done before Molly comes over. But then now now it's like 9.50 and it may or no, 10 and it may or may not be done. No, this seems right. This is okay. how dishwashers are. All right. Okay. All right, everybody. This is our dish. No, it's not our dishwasher episode. We did do and a we dishwasher episode, right? Oh, that's right. Because I, I, I begged someone to send me right, a new dishwasher. And they did not. And nobody did. Like, what is up with that? Yeah. Anyway, uh, no, we haven't done our intro yet, Matthew. Oh, 